And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're gonna tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to You Irons, the West Ham podcast from the good people at The Athletic with me, Sam Delaney. I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Rashane Thomas, who is the West Ham correspondent for The Athletic. Hello, Rashane. Hi, Sam. Now, it's a great day. We are fifth in the table. We have won our third game on the trot. There are so many positives to discuss about the Aston Villa game and the situation that West Ham find themselves uh, 10 games into the season. And we will get into that in due course. But first, let me say that to celebrate Black Friday, we're giving you the chance to subscribe to The Athletic for our best ever price at the moment. It's just £1 a month for the full 12 months and you can cancel any time. So you can access all of The Athletic all year long, including all of our podcasts, completely ad-free. We'll bring you unrivaled coverage of West Ham and the Premier League for an unbeatable price. And we won't be running a better deal anytime soon. So get on it now. This offer runs up to 4th of December. We've only got a few days. Don't miss out. Um, great daily writing, really, from Rashane on West Ham. So I've always got um, a cracking read in my inbox on the hammers in the morning. Been enjoying your stuff recently with Shane. Um, I like the breakdown you did of David Moyes' career in stats, sort of a reassessment for some of those people who kind of, you know, keep saying that he's been a failure at all of his clubs um, since Everton. Uh, And you did a sort of a a real, quite a deep dive analysis of that. And, And I thought he had a much more impressive record than people give him credit for. Yeah, much appreciated, Sam. Basically looking at, you know, whether Moyes is underappreciated or overrated. And I came to the conclusion that he's underappreciated. Uh, as you touched on, people think, oh, he's over- well, he's rubbish from that time at Man United, Real Sociedad, Sunderland. And I'm like, listen, this guy's doing a great job at West Ham. If you look over the course of his managerial career, he's done some really good things. It just, for whatever reason, didn't work out. That's why my intro was like, listen, if at first you don't succeed, dust yourself off and try again. And as we're seeing right now, he's doing a great job. So I just felt like he deserved a piece like that for people to see, you know, he's not rubbish, you know, he's a good manager. Yeah, I mean, you know, from from your sort of breakdown, I thought the only the only club where he's sort of had bad, very negative stats was, was his time at Sunderland. But who hasn't struggled at Sunderland? It has been a problem. There's been great managers go through there. I mean, you know, you look at the likes of Martin O'Neill, who's got a fantastic record in management, uh, pretty much every club he's been at. But even he struggled at Sunderland because there is something toxic about that club uh, and has been for a few years. And and there's been and it's been very problematic for every manager. So, and he admitted, didn't he, that he he basically hadn't done his due diligence on Sunderland and he felt that he kind of took the job too too casually, hadn't really researched it, didn't realise what he was getting himself into. You know what? I think of Sunderland as a bad girlfriend. Yeah. It's a bad girlfriend. Everyone told you, you know what? Like, don't go anywhere near her. Like, she's got a bad reputation. And you're like, you know what? I, I, I could be the one. I could be yeah. the one. I could yeah. be that guy. I could turn it around. Yeah. I mean, it was like, don't do it. Just don't do it. And you're like, no, I could do it. I could definitely do it. I mean, you go over there and it just, it's, it's terrible from day one. Yeah. And that's how I refer to that club, unfortunately. Yeah. I mean, you know, other than that, He's, what he's not had since Everton is a proper chance and not many managers get a proper chance anymore. 
And in some ways, I think he's benefited from the bad experience we had with Manuel Pellegrini. Because I think had we kept him on after his first spell, then people would have... You know, people would have always thought, well, what if, what if we'd gone for someone more glamorous? What if we'd gone for someone more high profile? And we'd have never quite known. Well, we gave Pellegrini the chance. He he just didn't deliver, I feel, on, on pretty much any level. And now that allows us as the fans to sort of accept David Moyes and accept the fact that here is a bloke who might not have been the most thrilling appointment but if we give him time, he's got a chance for the first time in a long time of actually building something at West Ham, building a culture um, of success. And, you know, so far as we're going to get on to, he's delivered on that. Uh, what else you got coming up soon, Rashane? Coming up soon, have a, a piece to pay tribute to um, from West Ham midfielder Papa David Diop, who sadly passed mm. away last weekend. So myself and uh, my colleague Peter Rotsler, who covers Fulham, uh, working on a joint piece and that should be out this weekend. And we're going to do a piece on, um, well, I'm going to do a piece, sorry, on uh, Saeed Ben Rama and why it's time for him to be unleashed against mm. Manchester United. So there's a two-piece expect this week. Oh, well, well, I'm sure we'll get on to discussing that as well because it was a great cameo by him last night. Um, but just remember, you can go to athletic.com slash West Ham pod. That's athletic.com slash West Ham pod and pay just £1 a month. For 12 months, you get all that writing and uh, on West Ham from Rashane and much more about all the other stuff going on in the world of football. No ads, very high quality stuff every day. Uh, this offer is for new subscribers only and it only runs up to the 4th of December. So get involved. Right, Rashane, time to reflect on a dramatic and eventful yeah. game against Aston Villa on Monday night. Um, three wins on the spin. Um, but it doesn't tell the full story, does it? Because <laughs> I feel that probably no team this season had outplayed us to the same extent as Villa did. Let's be fair. We, If you look at the games that we've lost, I thought that Newcastle probably deserved to win, although people forget in that game we did create a lot of chances. Um, I thought we were extremely unlucky against Arsenal and I thought we were pretty unlucky not to come away with something against Liverpool. But Villa, the whole thing got flipped around. I, I felt that Villa were worthy of a draw, possibly the full three points. But I can't remember West Ham ever getting luck like that in a game. Can you? I can't. I can't. You know You know what comes to mind, right? It's really random. But have you ever tried to kill a cockroach? Mm, no, I haven't. I haven't. It is on my list of things that I want to do before I die. It's, it's basically impossible. They just keep coming back. Yeah. They keep coming back, and that's how, that's what I think of West Ham right now. You know, a team can try, like Aston Villa, try and outplay West Ham. We'll, we'll come back. We'll come mm. back and we'll just find a way to, to, to win. And we've seen that, as you touched on, in, in the past three matches. Yesterday, oh my goodness, I mean, the amount of luck West Ham had, whether it was VAR, whether it was, uh, you know, a penalty hitting the crossbar, it's just crazy, but... It's good to see. It's good to see luck, uh, you know, being in our in our favour. So because... many of those things have gone against us in the past. I know. VAR, Especially last season, penalty decisions, uh, unbelievable the luck we've had. And so, I, you know, I feel for Villa because you know, but you have to think. Well, I feel that they say that these things get redressed in time, uh, and, and what goes around comes around. I think we've been waiting for a result like that for a long time. Yeah. It, Definitely. I don't want to be negative because, you know, we won 
that's our third win on the trot and we've gone fifth in the table. This is way beyond anyone's expectations of where we'd be after 10 matches. And remember, people always say you can't really judge the way that a season's going until after 10 games. Well, here we are. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the good fifth. news is we're fifth. The bad news is Tottenham are top. But I don't think anyone, <laughs> even the most optimistic of West Ham fans out there, could have expected, particularly after the run of fixtures that we saw at the start of the season, that we would be there. But obviously the performance was not the best. I hate to start on a negative, but are you concerned about the way in which we let Villa dominate the game for such long periods? Or do you think it was just a blip? I was going to say a bit of both. Because right. yesterday, the first opening 15 minutes, West Ham started bright, in my opinion. It looked really good. Could have scored two goals during that time. And mm. after 15 minutes or so, sat back and invited pressure. And I tweeted at half-time, you know, it's been a promise to start, but West Ham I sat back and invited pressure. And I'd be, it wouldn't surprise me if Moyes brought on Sebastian Adair and Ben Rama. But I tweeted oh, that. I tweeted that, right, with expectation of about three out of ten, that will happen. Mm. I was like, it'll be great if it happened, but it's not going to happen. Moyes, Moyes make a change at half time. No chance. Yeah. So, we're in the second half, like, it's about to start, right? And Ben Rama and um, Hannah on the pitch. I'm like, what on earth is going on? Yeah. This is crazy. Moyes hardly does this. So, you know what, mate? I didn't even notice Hannah was on. Right? <laughs> I didn't. I got a text from him. Uh, to be honest, I'm not one who, I don't, I don't watch a huge amount of the build up to a game. And I don't often watch that. I'm not with West Ham, with any other clubs I do, but I kind of can't take it. Can't take hearing. I just can't. I, I, I'm so partisan. I can't. Yeah. Take, I can't take hearing other people's opinions on my team. Yeah. Right, I can take other West Ham fans, but I just can't bear to hear Jamie Carragher and Gary Neville yeah. uh, talk about it. No, no offense to them. It's it's, yeah. it's my problem. But anyway. So I kind of am avoiding it, pottering about, making a cup of tea at halftime, see a text saying Ben Rama's on. And no sooner had I seen that text that uh, we've scored. And as they ran off to celebrate, I only see Haller then. Well, bloody (laughs) hell, he's brought two players on. I completely (laughs) missed the whole thing. It, what What was gutting for Haller and probably for Moyes in a weird way was that if... If uh, Bowen hadn't got his head to that Ben Rama cross, Haller was going to head that in. And that would have been a golden moment in the managerial career of David Moyes. A manager who, let's not forget, West Ham fans were slating earlier on this season, just a few weeks ago, for being too slow to make substitutions. Brings on a double attacking substitution at half-time. And within 30 seconds, if one had provided the cross, the other one had scored it. I mean, it doesn't get much better than that, does it? So true, Sam. And to be honest, I'm not going to lie, I've previously been frustrated with Moyes in terms of his reluctance in bringing on players much early in the game. There's been times this season and last season, well, toward the latter stage of last season in particular, where West Ham are bringing the game, like thinking, Moyes, bring, back, bring on an attacking player. Like, we're in this match. We, we, have, we, got, we have a chance to win here. And mm. for whatever reason, Moyes will either bring on the player like, like the 80th minute or the 90th minute. So I saw a sign of progress for Moyes last night, the fact that he made a double change at halftime. And I'm here for it. I'm here for it because I just touched on Ben Rama had an impact within what, about a minute of coming on, which is really good. And I look at it from this point of view, right? Moyes is not afraid to make a change now. If it's not going to plan, he'll bring on a player like Ben Rama, bring on a player like Lanzini or Halla or Antonio if he's on the bench to try and change it. And that's what you're going to see. You want to have players who are able to have an impact from the bench. And yeah, it's good to see. It really is. 
I thought they both played well. I thought Ben Rama in particular looked very lively when he got the ball. Obviously, is the sort of player that when he gets it, the opposition are immediately on the back foot. In fact, I don't know if you notice a lot of people picked up on TV that just before the kickoff um, for the second half, one of the Villa players commented to Jack Grealish, uh, Ben Rama on. And there's this shot where you actually see him mouth Ben Rama on and Grealish suddenly looks up and looks over and, and pulls a sort of nervous expression, uh, which was nice to see. And he was right to be nervous because in 30 seconds, Ben Rama had, had done... I mean, it was a delightful... It was a great assist, wasn't it? It wasn't like... Oh, a, it wasn't an inconsequential assist. It was extremely tidy assist. Very much a tidy assist. And you're thinking, oh, brilliant. I think I'm right to say that's his second assist and he's come to the bench in the past three matches. Mm. So it goes to show the, the impact he has. And another thing that I liked most about it, that I was watching Ben Rama in the second half in particular to see, you know, how different he is to uh, four nows. Mm. And one thing I noticed with Ben Rama, he stays out wide a lot. Yeah. I know four nows comes in, Boran comes in, but Ben Rama, he stays out wide. I was thinking, why is he staying out wide all the time? And I noticed it, there's a lot more space. Yeah. There's a lot more space when he does that, and I think that's something that a lot of fans will notice. He's, he's more of a traditional winger. I mean, he's a winger, isn't he? Which for now isn't. He's a he's a midfielder who can play wide, but his instinct is is to cut in. Um, you know, there was so, there's something about him when he gets the ball. He's got that comfort with it at his feet. We saw him wriggle through uh, a couple of times, a few challenges. You know, as if they weren't there, and. Um, there's something that really gets the pulse rate in with players like that. You know, uh, if you, if you, an old fashioned winger who literally likes to stay out wide and dribble it and run at players every time he gets it and also knows how to look up and pick out yeah. a pass or a cross. That too. I mean, it's so tempting. I, it's now, I think, that most West Ham fans, in spite of the fact that we played so well, that so much of our good performances seem to be down to a disciplined shape, a work ethic, and Fornells is part of that. I think now, we, you know, we're ready for the for this for this lad to start the next game, aren't we? Yeah, I definitely think he's there to start against Man United, and I feel like you're uh, bringing him in place of Fornells. Because obviously Fournals transformation over the past twelve months has been really good. He's become a you know good player for West Ham, but that first half in particular probably the worst I've seen him play. He was really yeah he was really poor in my opinion. Hardly touched the ball. Hardly it was hardly a threat. And I feel like you bring on you start Ben Rahm and play for Fournals, and yeah you unleash him as I said earlier. You unleash him and you know make him terrify the United defense because they're not in great form at the minute. But he brought him on for Masuaku. Did that surprise you? It did surprise me because I, I didn't I didn't feel like Masuaki had a terrible game in the first half, and I saw him looking at it like okay so how 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 is it gonna work out now? And it's almost almost like a four three three in the mm. in the um, second half, and it worked. But I still feel like Moyes will stick with the four five one against Man United, and I still think he'll keep faith for Masuaki. So the likely change will be a four nows for uh, Ben Rama. I mean, it's a fascinating. I think we've talked about this before, but the idea of Masuaku and um, ben Rama starting on our left-hand side together is quite fascinating because they're similar. They're both players with huge amount of technique and a, a massive willingness to try and beat a man. And to play both of them in the same team, I, almost, I don't think I've seen that done before. It's almost like you're playing a double tricky left winger. <laughs> yeah. And it's sort of unfathomable in my mind, like how, how will it actually work? It, it will either be one of the greatest disasters of all time or 
it will be a mind-boggling display of skillful attacking football. Uh, it could go either way. I don't know how, if we do start like that, how Solskjaer will respond tactically. Whether he'll think, well, they've got too much. Uh, they, they, they've got two players on the left whose instinct is to only attack. So that's going to leave space for us to get down that side. Or whether he'll think, well, we just need to watch defensively on that side and double up. I suppose the game's at Old Trafford. He'll feel slightly more obliged to attack us. So we'll have to wait and see. I mean, we don't know if Moyes will do it. But Moyes didn't seem happy after the game, did he? So I wouldn't be surprised if he's thinking about changes. But you know what? In terms of the, the, the two options you gave, I actually reckon it would be uh, the one that will be on my blogging display and both doing terrific because when I was watching uh, Ben Lama, he, he's good on the defensive end. He tracks yeah. back. He'll track him he back a lot for Aaron Cresswell. Yeah. The only frustration with Ben Lama, sometimes he'll give away the odd free kick. Yeah. And you're thinking, oh, you got uh, you got to be a bit more disciplined here. He puts the running in. He's yeah. not, obviously, he's not um, the best at tackling because of a lot of, a lot of attacking players like him aren't, you know. Yeah. He's got a touch of the Paul Skulls when it comes to tackling. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, I did notice he tra- he, when he lost the ball, he was immediately tracking back, wasn't he, to try and win yeah. it again. Yeah, exactly. And I remember, right, there's one passage of player on the 61st minute and the ball's in the air and then Benrahma controls it. So I'm thinking he's going to pass it to like a deck, to like Declan Rice or Four Niles. Mm. This guy, right, he controls it and skips past two players, makes an advancing run, and then I believe he passes it to Alaire. And I'm thinking, my goodness, what a special player you are. What a special... Could anyone else would have passed it? A simple pass to get out of danger. This guy has a temerity to do a bit of skill. So imagine when the fans come black, they're going to be giving him a clap for that. That's for sure. My, uh, I've got to say, for some uh, anyone listening in my generation, put me in mind of Stuart Slater. Last time he's seen a, a winger like that who just hugs the left and skips around players for fun, uh, accelerates past fullbacks. You know, one of my favourite players when I was a kid, he really reminded me of him. What about mm. Haller? I thought, I was surprised by that. I thought Antonio obviously wasn't at his absolute best because he's come back from quite a, a long spell out. I was surprised, though, by the boldness of that substitution. And I thought Haller put in a very good performance second half, particularly in terms of his work rate and his willingness to get involved in a little bit of argy-bargy a yeah. couple of times, uh, which is something that I think he's been criticised by us and others for. Like the, His physicality sometimes is a little bit off but yesterday he was really getting stuck in wasn't he you know Sam I don't intend to come across as being sarcastic but I'll give him I'll give him a, a, a clap right now because <laughs> what I saw yesterday is what a lot of West Ham fans have been crying out for I, I personally believe his work rate off the ball has improved so much over yeah. the past three games I'm seeing a guy work so hard the one bit he has to do he could smile a bit more could smile yeah. a bit more. That would be yeah, nice. Yeah. But other than that, I've seen this guy chase after lost causes. As you mentioned, being a bit of a bully, which I felt like he wasn't doing enough last season. Mm. And look, you're looking at you thinking, that's what I want to see, mate. That is what I want to see. And good on you for like, you know, trying to get the best out of what was a bad situation. Because now yeah. fans will be on side of that. I've seen he's, you know, he's, he's do, putting the extra effort in. Previously, right, a bit if Alea came on at half time, fans would have been like, why is he bringing him on for? Yeah. Absolutely. And you know what? Prior to the match, a lot of fans feel like Alea was hard done by by not being in the starting eleven. They feel like because he scored against Sheffield United, he should have been in the starting eleven against uh, Aston Villa. So a lot of fans are a bit like, oh, Moyes, you should be starting him here. So credit to Alea for turning it around because, you know, becoming you know, a good player for us right now. Yeah, I mean, it'd be interesting. Of course, there's a chance that, because that now is a dilemma, that, that Antonio came off at half-time 
Um, Haller put in a good shift second half. That's a dilemma for Moyes going into the next game. There is still, a, a, I suppose, a chance that Moyes might decide to do what a lot of us have been talking about a while, which is start them both. Yeah, you know what? I reckon, I reckon they're best when they when they play together. Mm. I remember my mind always goes back to um, the game last season at Watford, where mm. Antonio didn't start. He came on, and then oh my goodness, straight away you could see a partnership form between Alaire and Antonio. He scored. Yeah. Alaire scored, I think, an acrobatic goal. He spoke a while about you know looking forward to playing alongside him, and then unfortunately Antonio suffered that hamstring injury at Newport County, and he couldn't really build on that relationship. And then earlier this year, in fact, in fact, the last match where we had fans at the stadium, the three-one win uh, against Southampton, that Rabona pass from Hilaire to Antonio, who unfortunately yeah. couldn't finish. So there's definitely understanding there, and if Moyes were to change it, play him in the, in the front too, that could definitely work. Moyes is all about this shape that he's established, which obviously made us pretty solid defensively. Um, so I think that most likely, he's, he's unlikely to change the shape of the team. He's more likely to change the personnel, isn't he? Yeah. Yeah, change the personnel. I reckon that's most likely, as you touched on. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. The first time I interviewed Neymar, he was 14. He was pretty much famous approaching household name status before he'd even played for the Santos first team. Barca should have been better prepared. They really did not have a contingency plan for if Neymar were to leave. You have the French president, Emmanuel Macron, calling it really good news on the day. Without selling Coutinho for that amount of money, Liverpool's recent history would be very, very different. But then again, Neymar changed the whole dynamic. I'm Adam Leventhal, and this is Beyond the Headline, Neymar, the transfer that changed the world. Over the next three episodes, we will explore Neymar's 222 million euro move from Barcelona to Paris Saint-Germain, a transfer that changed the game not only because it more than doubled the world transfer record, but explain how the ripple effects made it arguably the most significant transfer in the history of the game. That's Beyond the Headline, available wherever you get your podcasts or get it ad-free via the Athletic app. To be fair, yesterday, although we've been very solid defensively of late, let's be honest, last night, if if Villa had taken their chances, we could have let in quite a few. To be, to be totally honest, I felt that they were creating chances too easily at times in the game. I felt that when Grealish got the ball, you were almost immediately expecting them to create something in the area. It was just a bit too easy at times. And so I, I did feel a little bit worried about our defensive abilities last night, uh, even to the extent that we never have a bad word to say about Declan on this show. Uh, you know, it's well well documented our feelings about just how good he is. I didn't think he had a bad game last night, but there were times when I thought, well, Grealish is absolutely running this game, which for me he did from begin to end. And, you know, he's 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 hard to like. He dives all over the place. But you cannot take away from the fact that when he gets the ball, 
he is arguably the most dangerous attacking midfielder in the league right now. And But I did think, well, when you've got a player like that, that you're up against, who everything revolves around, what you need is someone to just shut that down. And who better to do it than Declan Rice? Because you've got the best young English attacking midfielder versus the best young English defensive midfielder. And I know it might not have been, you know, Moyes' tactics and Declan can't take it upon himself. But I kept thinking to myself, why don't we just get Declan to just sort of sit on Grealish and shut this down? Because it seems to me that if you stop Grealish, you stop Villa. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And it was also Rice who gave away the penalty. Mm. So that was also that as well. And, you know, Rice tried. He tried to um, get the better of Grealish, but Grealish was just having... I know he lost, but Grealish was having just a, a really good game. I can't remember the last time you know I, I saw a performance where a player was just so confident on the ball. Yeah. There were times where Grealish was like, hey, give me the ball. Give me the ball. Let me work, let me just run yeah. the show here and, and, and work, um, create some bit a bit of magic. Mm. Like there were so many times, I was like, yeah, just give me the ball. Give me the ball. Don't pass. Just give me the ball. Pass the ball to me. I don't say um, it lightly, <laughs> but it was almost reminiscent of um, Payet at West Ham. Yeah, I wouldn't yet put Grealish on that level, but the way in which we had a period where everything went through Payet, he showed for the ball every time we were in possession, and he created something every time he was given the ball. That's what Grealish looked like at times last night, which is just another reason why it is absolutely amazing that we got through and nabbed those three points. I mean, I can't remember the last time West Ham got three wins on the trot, to be honest. Yeah, especially not by not playing well. Yeah. <laughs> not playing well and able to win. And usually mm. that sort of characteristic we see from like the big six, big six clubs. They tend yeah. to, you know, do master the yard of winning ugly and we're seeing that now from West Ham which is just really good and you know what this is just it's a weird feeling right now son because I'm not, I'm not used to the West Ham doing so well where like before a match I'm optimistic that the team could win the West Ham I know they're in my weekend they, yeah. they make me so frustrated this West Ham team I'm a lot more calm I'm a yeah. lot more relaxed yeah it, I know exactly what you mean it's not a matter of always feeling um, confident that you're going to win but I suppose it, you feel kind of optimistic going into games now. You feel as if you don't have that feeling where traditionally you sort of think, well, we might win, but God, I hope we don't get humiliated. The idea of seeing West Ham on the box, knowing that people are watching, knowing all your mates you support bloody Spurs or Arsenal or Chelsea are watching it and that you might get humiliated because we have seen us thrashed on TV many, many times and had to sit. That's why I can't listen to the pundits. I had to sit listening to the pundits absolutely pick you to pieces about everything that's wrong with the West Ham team. Now you go into a game and you think, well, there's a chance we could lose, but this team will not be embarrassed by anyone now. We're going to put a really good fight up against everyone. And we've played them all now. I mean, I suppose we haven't come up against Chelsea yet, but we've played Tottenham. We've played uh, Liverpool. Uh, we played City and, you know, those are, those are the toughest games, Leicester. We've, we've played all of these tough games and we've come through them. Um, yeah, we lost to Liverpool. I thought we were unlucky. I thought we were worth at least a draw in that match. Um, and so you, you can see now that what David Moyes has done is built us into a proper outfit who know exactly what they're doing. It doesn't mean we're going to win every game we play. It doesn't mean we're going to win the league. It doesn't mean we're going to qualify for the Champions League. It just means we're a proper team who can compete and aren't going to just like end up like mugs at the end of games, which yeah. we've seen for too many years. 
it's an incredible job that Moyes has done so far. It really is. And Sam, my vocal skills aren't particularly great, but I've been singing Kumbaya, my lord, all season. Because <laughs> it's, just, it's just it's just remarkable what, what Moyes and his backroom staff have been mm. able to achieve. West Ham playing Man United on Saturday, Leeds after Crystal Palace and Chelsea. I feel like can win at least three of those matches. I no longer like look at West Ham's upcoming fixtures and feel like, oh, it'd be good mm. to get three points there. It'd be good mm. to get a draw there. I look at it and feel like this team is showing me en- enough enough fight, enough spirit to say they can win every match. Well, not every match because that's, that's unrealistic, but like we have a good chance of winning. We can go in with a chance in every game. Yeah, exactly. There's a chance. In all the games you just mentioned, I mean, you know, let's not get too carried away. We've got go to United. United have got incredible players in their team. Incredible goal threats in particular. You know, we saw them come back against a very decent Southampton team from 2-0 down and win 3-2 at the weekend. And we're playing them up at their place, aren't we? Yeah. So, you know, it's uh, is that right or are we playing them at our place? Uh, this is Man United, right? Yeah. Uh, we're playing them at our place. Oh, okay. So we're playing them at our place. Oh, of course, because this will be the first game where there's fans yeah. allowed back in the stadium. Um but it'll be a tough game. But the point is, we know we're in it. We know we're at the races. Too many games in the past where you've played Manchester United or clubs like them, we've thought, well, there's a complete outside chance we might just completely throw the form book out the window and nick it, which might have happened once every, like, three years. Uh, but this time, it's like United all know they've got a proper game and they're going to have to be at their absolute best to expect to get anything out of it. It's a great feeling for us. And you know what? Just to be Kevin Keegan for about five seconds, I would love it if we were able to win there, be, be Bang United because when you think about David Moyes not being treated particularly great at that club and for yeah. him to bring this new look West Ham side, well, for, for him to yeah, bring that new look West Ham side to another stadium and to possibly get a win against his former club, that would be really good in my opinion. Yeah, it would be a good feeling for him. Well, let's hope he, he pulls it off. Where, where do you realistically think now? I mean, bearing in mind, yeah, we're on good form. Yeah. We didn't play well against Villa and the squad has yet to be tested in terms of injuries. Other than Antonio, what yeah. we haven't done is gone through that phase that you know pretty much every club at some stage during a season has to deal with you know three or four injuries. We haven't been tested that way yet. But also we've still got a January transfer window to come and there's a lot of rumours that we're going to reinforce again during that. What what do you feel like at the moment, Rashane? We're, we're in fifth place at the moment. Where could we realistically build to uh, over the rest of the season? Well, I have a two-part answer to that question. So, in terms of January, I actually asked Moyes at the press conference last Friday, you know, is he looking at like bringing in a lot of players or players who will be first-team regulars or players who will be more, more mainly squad players? And he was saying, the mindset he's in right now, he would rather like go big in summer. Mm. He would rather like go big in summer and, and recruit you know, players then as opposed to like trying to sign a lot of players in January, which I thought was really interesting. So that's definitely something for West Ham fans to monitor in the coming weeks. And in terms of a league finish at the end of the season, I still think a 10th or 12th place finish should be good. I know I know it's going on right now, but an injury's going to happen. There's going to be a blip in form somewhere. So I feel like 10th or 12th would be good. And then next season, you know, you challenge for like a top eight or top six if you can. As Moyes touched on, try and recruit well in the summer, and then you go and push. Because, as we've always discussed, we can get we can get carried away sometimes, West Ham fans. Oh, we should win the league. We should be in top four. We should be in the top six. But it's like, no, let's build gradually. And then have, you know, have targets on a yearly basis. So a top 10, a top six, and then a top four. And I feel like that should be the sort of mindset right now for, for Moyes and the players. 
Yeah, no, I think that's a very, very shrewd and, and sober assessment of where we are and where we can aim for. It is good that he's got this tight squad now. People criticised it for being a uh, too small, too thin. But I quite like the idea that we've got a tight squad. Everyone knows their position in that squad. Everyone knows they've got a fight to win a place in the team. Um, and that seems to be working well for him. Maybe he finds it easier to manage a, a smaller squad like that where everyone can feel a significant part of it. Um, so, yeah, maybe maybe we, sh- we shouldn't be wanting... But you know what, Sam? Something that, that hasn't been discussed enough is that there's quite a few players that are contract next summer. Mm. I think of Fabian Barberino, he's been great this season. Lucas Fabianski, although West Ham have a one-year option. Carl Antonio... So they're definitely Mark Noble. That hasn't been discussed a lot. Mark, no- this could be Mark Noble's farewell tour for all we yeah. know. Could be his last season at West Ham. He's going to be thirty-four at the end of the season. It's unlikely. If I think of, like I think of it right now, that he'll, he'll be offered a new deal. Snodgrass as well is out of contract. So yeah, West Ham. We're looking to tie down a, a few players in, in January at the very least. Yeah, exactly. So maybe a lot of the stuff during the January transfer window will be about our existing players getting tied down. By the way, nice cameo for Noble last night. Um, good to see him coming on. It was just when we needed him as well because we were starting to look very nervy. We were giving away a lot of possession in midfield and it sort of made you breathe a bit of a sigh of relief to see the the captain come on and sort of, you know, settle things down a bit. Yeah, let's not make any mistakes here. The wins hit the three points here for us. Let's be mm. smart. And again, a smart change for Moyes to be like, I'm not going to be tempted to bring on another attacking player to try and, you know, yeah. double our advantage. Let's bring on another midfielder to try and, you know, tie in space. So yeah, good, good stuff all around. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. So, as we mentioned there, uh, fans back in the London Stadium for the first time in a long time uh, this weekend against Manchester United. Just a couple of thousand, is that right? Yeah, up to 2,000 fans will be uh, returning to the stadium on Saturday. And it'll be good. Fans could be the 12th man again. And obviously, I'm in a very privileged role to be able to like be one of the few reporters who, can, who have been able to attend matches over the past, what, 10 months or so. And just taking my reporter, have, my, my reporter hat off here, Definitely miss supporters, that's for sure. You know, the smell of uh, smell of onions, all the sort of match day feel. You miss all of it. Yeah. You just miss supporters singing, you know, um, all the all the songs of players and whatnot, blowing bubbles. You miss all of that. So it'll be good to have... It'll be good it must have been a very strange experience for you over these last few months, being just one of a handful of people inside the stadium. I mean, you know, I suppose these, these experiences will live with you forever. I mean, I hope that we won't go back to them anytime. But um, they'll live with you, won't you? Won't they? Yeah, that's for sure. I always referred to it as like that scene in the Charlie Chocolate Factory where he's got a golden ticket and he starts going crazy because yeah. ultimately that's how it, that's how it's felt. We've had the golden ticket because fans haven't been able to attend. 
supports like yourself have been able to attend. So we've been in a very privileged position. Have you enjoyed the ability to hear all of the um, verbal exchanges, both on the bench and on the pitch? Now, that's a great question. It's a great question for the simple fact that last night, oh my goodness, the bickering that was going on on the bench between uh, <laughs> Dean Smith and the coaching staff at West Ham. So basically, right, long story short, a member of uh, the coaching staff was basically saying Jack Reedus was keep that he keep he's keep he keeps diving on the pitch, and then D Smith got like enraged by it, absolutely mm-hmm. enraged, or swearing, all the sort of curse words you can think you can imagine. Now, if fans were at the ground, I wouldn't be able to hear this exchange. Exchange, but because we weren't there, I mean, I'm writing down what Dean Smith is saying. I'm writing down the response from West Ham. So yeah, that it's been good for stuff like that and like the interaction between uh, players and the pitch. I remember in the first half, prior to Obonna's goal, Tyra Mings is like, mark him, mark him, don't lose him. And then what happens? Obonna goes and scores. So stuff <laughs> like that, stuff like that's been good. But yeah, yeah, we do miss the fans. It was good when you guys return. Yeah, it would have been nice um, to have seen it kicked off properly between the benches last <laughs> night because I would always back our bench. I think this is, I've got to say, I think this is the hardest bench we've had in many years, oh, mate. Oh, yes. And so if it does ever properly kick off, I'd, I'd really back our boys against most other team benches, don't you? Oh, 100%. You got you have David Moyes, who's a bit like, what's David Moyes? David Moyes is the, like, you know, he's got that, that, that anger in him. He's quite he's got softy, mad. Yeah. He's got psychotic bulging eyes. That's the one. That's the mm. one. The eyes will. The eyes will win it. Like all you have to do is look at his eyes, and that's it. You see. You see the defeat. And then you have Stuart Pearce. Oh, Stuart Pearce. You don't want to get on his bad side. That's for sure. But mate, you also wrote a piece, I think, about Alan Irvin earlier in the season when he was oh. having to take the reins. <laughs> oh, yes. David Moyes had had to be quarantined, and you wrote a piece in which you spoke to people who'd worked for him, and he, he sounds like a bit of a hard hard nut as well. I mean, uh, most of the people you spoke to seem to be terrified of him. Well, they're, they're still terrified. <laughs> they're still yeah. terrified, Alan Irvin. As like a, a former Liverpool, uh, not Liverpool, Newcastle United trainee, he was like, listen, if you were bad in training, oh my goodness, the hair dry treatment you'll get from Alan Irvin is crazy. I spoke yeah. to a uh, former Liverpool striker, uh, Neil Mello, and he spoke about a preseason tour where they're all running around the, the, the park because Alan was big on fitness. Yeah. And if, if your time was terrible, oh my goodness. Oh my, yeah. I, you have to run around again. <laughs> you have to run around again. So, <laughs> so yeah, it's, it's a great point you made. Definitely, definitely a, a great backroom staff we have. Yeah, so bring it on, Villa. You got off lightly last night. Um, well, listen, it's it's been... So fantastic this season, isn't it? Every time we get together to do this podcast and talk about West Ham, it's such an unfamiliar feeling to us to basically be winning, to be collecting points, to be nicking results even when when the odds seem stacked against us. Um, It's strange. I don't know how long it'll last, but I suppose my message to you and all hammers is, look, cherish this. Cherish these golden moments when they happen because they don't come along that often, do they? And, And now... We're sitting fifth in the table. Um, we're not that far off the top of the table. Of course, I'm not saying that that's where we're looking to. But these are these are golden times for Hammers fans, right? These are golden times for Hammers fans. And yeah, as you touched on, definitely cherish it because if we can all remember last season and how terrible that was until Moyes was appointed and just the sort of doom and gloom of each week of losing, drawing, being in winning positions and then losing. So now it's really good. There's a feel-good factor now at West Ham and it's good to see and hopefully it's here to stay. Well, that's it from us for this week. Manchester United at the weekend. Uh, we'll look forward to another good performance there, a good result at least. Um, I think we can pull it off. I'm going to go with a uh, 2-1 victory for West Ham. 
Uh, got any thoughts on the result, or do you not want me to take you there? No, nah, you know what? I, similar prediction: a two-one, a two-one win for West Ham. That's that's what I have in mind. I, I mean, we all know Manchester United historically are a big club, but right now they're struggling. They've got they, uh, two two 0 down against Southampton, and then fought back to win three-two. But they're not doing particularly great right now, and I feel like that's something West Ham can capitalize on. But before we wrap up the podcast, Sam, I want to give a shout out to Sarah Galvin. She tweeted us last week about really enjoying the pod. Uh, we just want to say we really appreciate all the um, the nice messages you guys have been tweeting us with. And one last thing, right? So, Sam, I saw your tweet last week about uh, The Crown being the most Lampard program you've ever mm. seen. Now, yeah. I was almost in tears when I saw this tweet. Like, I, oh, yeah. uh, it was, I found it so hilarious. I thought, you know what? Let me watch The Crown. It, it can't be that bad. Yeah. When I tell you, right, I, I had to, like, switch off after about 10 minutes. Yeah. I, was like, I can't. I can't put myself through this. this I'd rather watch an episode of Brookside than yeah, have to watch than have to watch that again. Of course, it's because it's a soap opera, but about boring people. <laughs> I mean, yeah. you know, if you want to watch a soap opera, watch Brookside. Go and dig out an old episode of Dynasty if you're interested in watching lives of the uh, of rich, privileged people, right? But um, the 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 Crown is just about a bunch of really tedious toffs. Um, it's awful. Yeah, it's the ultimate Frank Lampard program. But yep. there you go. There horses you go. for courses, I suppose. But um, I'm glad we agree on that one, Richard. Of course, Sam, of course. So if you're a West Ham fan out there and you haven't seen The Crown, don't, don't bother. Just don't, <laughs> don't bother. bother. Don't bother. Stick to Dynasty. Um, that's it. Remember, you can subscribe to The Athletic now and it only for the next few days for a quid for a whole year. Fantastic writing throughout the year, including tons from Rochelle on West Ham. So go to athletic.com forward slash West Ham pod if you want to get involved in that, which you should do. That's been us for another week. We'll see you next time to reflect on hopefully another victory against Manchester United. I've been Sam Delaney. He's been Rashane Thomas. Come on, you irons. And remember, ladies and gents, there's only one. Samasiabu! As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.